Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Strange Matters podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss everything that is bizarre, mysterious, and unexplained. I am Sean, and I will be the host for this discussion. In this episode, I will be talking about the sudden and unexplained disappearance of Thelma Kroll. Thelma was a well-known and liked woman in her community, who enjoyed taking long strolls around on various pathways and trails. It was on one of her walks that she completely vanished, without any warning or trace of what had happened. In this episode, I will be talking about the events leading up to Thelma's disappearance, as well as the following and ensuing search for what in the world happened to her. The topic for this episode was suggested to us by our listener Julia, who mentioned that while listening to our episode on the very strange death of Debbie Wolf, it reminded her of the vanishing of Thelma Krull, which happened in the city she lived in. So thanks, Julia, for sending in this bizarre mystery. Also, before we get started, I'd like to thank our newest supporters on Patreon, Zena and Randall. For anyone else interested in helping Strange Matters, you can check out our page at patreon.com slash strangematters, where you can donate a small monthly pledge and in exchange help us decide what to focus on and gain access to monthly exclusive episodes. Speaking of which, in our most recent bonus episode, we discussed the disappearance of Richard Lepsey, a very strange and unusual case by itself. We thought it'd be fun to put in a little sneak peek of that episode and with this case, so make sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear a little bit about the bizarre story of Dick Lepsey. Back to the case of Thelma Kroll, her disappearance is pretty strange for a number of reasons. Though I will get into more detail throughout this episode, Thelma vanished without any real cause of explanation. Though we have covered a number of odd vanishings on this podcast, it's rare to find a case where someone seemingly falls off the face of the earth without leaving at least some pieces of evidence or signs behind. From what little is known about how Thelma disappeared, it's left both law enforcement and her friends and family completely baffled as to what happened to the woman. The story begins on July 11th, 2015, in the city of Winnipeg, in central Canada. Thelma Kroll was a 57-year-old grandmother who lived in a quiet community not known for any criminal activity of any kind. Thelma worked for an agency called SPIKE, standing for Special People and Kildenen East, a support group that helped people with mental and physical disabilities. A co-worker said of Thelma that she was like a mom to everyone. Thelma was known to enjoy long walks around the neighborhood and surrounding areas. At the time, she was training to go on a seven-day hike on the West Coast Trail in British Columbia. On the day she disappeared, it started off like any other day. Thelma left her house a little after 7 a.m. in the morning and took off on her usual stroll. A neighbor's security surveillance camera picks up Thelma as she walks down the street at 7.23 a.m. This footage would show the last time that the woman would ever be seen. Thelma herself was 5'4", around 170 pounds. She had short hair that was dyed blonde with a purple streak in the front. On the day she went missing, she was wearing a bright orange t-shirt, black capri-style pants, a fanny pack, and tan hiking-style shoes. Thelma's husband, Robert Kroll, was still sleeping when his wife left the house that morning. They had previously made plans for the day, however, as Robert was to drive and meet Thelma later at Canadian Tire to pick her up. She was supposed to call him when she got there so that he knew when to head over. The two also had plans to visit their grandson's birthday party later that day. However, Thelma would never show up at Canadian Tire, she would not call her husband Robert, nor would she make it to her grandson's birthday party. It would seem at that point, Thelma had just disappeared. Winnipeg is a city on the smaller side, with a population of around 800,000. 
Many of those living there have been in the area for their whole lives. Like many small communities, someone like Thelma, who had lived there for an extended time, had many local connections and knew a lot of people. So when she initially was nowhere to be found, the thought was that someone must know something about where she was. Basically, this just wasn't the place where an established member of society could just fall off the face of the earth. Thelma's family immediately grew concerned when she did not show back up on the day of July 11th. Thelma's daughter Lisa believed that her mom was still alive but possibly injured somewhere. The police were notified and some family and friends went out looking for her, no doubt fearing that she could have been hurt or injured in some way that morning on her walk. Facebook posts were made and shared around the locals, showing Thelma's picture and asking for anyone who has seen her to contact either the family or the police. Over the next few days, Thelma still did not show up. Large volunteer searches were put together by family members and close friends, sweeping the areas that Thelma was known to walk. A $20,000 reward was set up for anyone with information of the missing woman's whereabouts. The police had asked hunters and hikers to keep an eye out for any clothing or unusual objects that they found in the woods around town, as they could possibly belong to Thelma. Lisa, Thelma's daughter, said at this time, The past five days have been surreal, just so frustrating. She's literally disappeared. The police at this point started to attempt to put together Thelma's last known routes. They hoped by knowing where she went, they could see if anyone around had seen what had happened to her, or at least confirm her whereabouts at certain times. Using surveillance film, the police were able to identify several people who were in and around the area where they believed Thelma went missing, but unfortunately no new pieces of information could be obtained from these people. The police ultimately believed that during her morning stroll, Thelma arrived at the nearby Valley Gardens Community Center at around 8 a.m. Searches conducted at this location discovered that Thelma's cell phone and eyeglasses were found lying in the middle of a field. These items would be the only pieces of evidence ever found during the investigation. The common thought is that whatever caused her disappearance, it most likely happened here at this park. The police concluded that Thelma most likely experienced some sort of distress at this location. Of course, what exactly caused that distress was unknown. As days came and went, and still no signs of her were found, the Winnipeg Police Services Homicide Unit would take control of the case. A local constable named Eric Hoffley reported that many units of the police services would still be involved with the search for the missing woman, but due to the suspicious nature of the disappearance, the homicide unit was taking control. The homicide unit itself possessed more resources that could be used in the search for Thelma. Still, after weeks, there was virtually no clues to go on. No leads came in from any witnesses that could give a clear picture of what had happened that morning. Eric Hoffley said at this point the police were grasping at straws. After several more months, it would appear that the case had hit a dead end. Nothing else belonging to Thelma had been discovered since the police originally found her glasses and phone in a field. Also, no one in the community had come forward saying that they had seen Thelma that day or any day since. There was just nothing to go on at this point. The weekly volunteer searches began to dwindle as more people grew frustrated and began to lose faith. To this day, Thelma is still missing, and there is no solid leads as to what happened to her. A vigil was put together and held on the one-year anniversary of her disappearance. Those coming to help support the family were asked to wear purple, the same color that Thelma had dyed in her hair. As time went on, there have been numerous explanations as to what possibly could have happened to Thelma. However, each of these possible theories are almost entirely based on speculation, given the complete lack of any supportive evidence whatsoever. 
usually when someone like this goes missing, there are at least some who think that they went on their own free will. There have been a number of cases where a person will suddenly go missing and turn up later, stating they just wanted to disappear and start a new life. However, in terms of Thelma's case, I think it's safe to say that this isn't really a viable explanation. No one who knew her would believe that she would simply walk away from her life and loved ones, and the police never proposed it as a possible solution. It would seem that whatever happened to Thelma, the most likely causes are something out of her control. The two main theories were presented by the police after their investigation. Sergeant Wes Rommel of the Homicide Unit stated, It is our belief that this distress was the result of either a medical situation she experienced, or in an encounter and ultimate abduction by an unknown individual. Perhaps a leading theory is that Thelma was abducted and forcibly taken against her will. The fact that her cell phone and glasses were found in the middle of a field could be interpreted to support this claim. It would seem that this could be one of the more logical options, as I just stated, not many who knew Thelma would believe that she would take it upon herself to disappear and leave her family and life behind. However, if this theory was correct, it would make Thelma a bit of a statistical anomaly, as people of her status aren't usually the targets of the common abductor. In the majority of cases of forced abductions, the large amount of victims are usually children or young women. Thelma herself was 57, an age where we don't really see that many abduction attempts. Also, there was no blood or torn clothing or anything else found to indicate that there was real struggle of any kind, which you would think anyone would do if they were being dragged away. Though it could be that the abduction took place away from the park, and that spot was just where the kidnapper decided to dump her phone and glasses, possibly to stage the area and make it look like it happened there. But to me, that almost seems a little too well planned out for a quick abduction. And also, I don't see how any criminal would think leaving behind evidence, as small as it is, would be better than nothing at all. A major issue for this explanation is the motive behind it. No one around Thelma could believe that someone would want to harm her. All agreed that she was well-loved by her family and friends. Even those who worked with her said the same. As the days went on that Thelma was gone, no ransom demands were received or contact from the abductors ever made. So if this explanation is true, it would seem that it would be the work of a lone criminal or even a group, and it was more likely a random encounter than a planned assault. As disturbing as it is to think, it could be that Thelma was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and whoever took her saw it as a chance of opportunity. Still, it does seem odd that a woman would be taken in a public place on a clear day with a few other people in the near vicinity. The only real piece of evidence, if you can call it that, that backs up this theory was a tip that was sent in by someone who thinks that they saw someone matching Thelma's description walking along with a tall, heavyset man on the day she disappeared. Again, it's not much to go on. Also, it's worth noting this statement was made quite a while after the actual disappearance, but the police have looked into it as a possible connection. The other major explanation states that the distress that Thelma experienced that morning was not from a would-be crook, but was actually medically related. Some think she could have had some type of medical episode, like maybe a heart attack, and she collapsed in the park. This would explain her phone and her glasses, which she could have lost during a fall. What happened afterwards, though, isn't really clear. If she was incapacitated or confused by what was happening, perhaps Thelma wandered off somewhere trying to seek help. Or it could also be that someone who was walking in the area that morning also discovered her body and tried to take her to the hospital. Of course, Thelma would never get to a hospital, as we know by now, either by her own volition or by a good Samaritan passing by. 
So the mystery remaining in this theory is, what happened to Thelma after she suffered her debilitating medical experience? I really can't think of any good explanation as to why she would simply disappear under these circumstances. If she was in a bad state, I don't think she would have made it too far off from her usual route. And if someone attempted to drive her to get help, it doesn't make any sense why they would never get to a hospital or doctor's office either. But then again, not much about this disappearance makes much sense at all either. To me, what makes this case particularly sad, and others like it, is just how little information we have to go on and how much we don't know about what really happened. When a person vanishes literally without leaving any trace behind, the uncertainty and endless questions can make a case unbearable for anyone close to the missing person. In a news conference at the one-year mark of her mother's disappearance, Thelma's daughter said, The person closest to me disappeared. A whole year has passed, and we still have no idea what happened or why. It's extremely hard not knowing. Not knowing if she'll come home again or never again. There's been no closure for our family, only wonder, confusion, and anger. People don't just disappear. As we were coming up on the two-year anniversary of Thelma's disappearance, there is still hope that she will be found one day, or that the mystery will finally be solved. The police have received over 200 tips from the public during the investigation, but nothing substantial in breaking open the case has been received as of yet. Police Sergeant Rommel stated that they still believe that someone out there must have a very critical piece of information, and that everyone must remain vigilant. To this day, the search continues on as to those who knew Thelma still look out for her. Facebook groups have been created and devoted to those keeping up with Thelma's case, with many people sending in their best wishes and sharing their experiences with the well-liked woman. Though Thelma Krull still remains missing after her sudden and unexplained disappearance, many who knew and loved Thelma hold out hope that one day she will still return to them. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. If you have feedback on the case of Thelma Krull or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to contact us at our email, strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We ask if you are listening to us on iTunes and enjoy the show, please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It means a lot to us to hear your feedback, and it also helps promote the show so we can always reach new listeners. Now, before I sign off, as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, we had just published an episode on Patreon about another fascinating disappearance case, that of Richard Lepsey. Richard's case parallels that of Thelma Kroll in that it is two cases of well-known people disappearing from a small community with very little evidence. So as a little bonus to our listeners, I will present a little sneak peek of Richard's story so you can hear a little bit about it for yourselves. So take a listen, and I hope you enjoy. So as usual, we'll start with a little bit of background information. Lepsy was in fact a pretty lowly grocery store manager in the small town of Grayling, Michigan, and he worked at a place known as Glenn's Market. He was also a husband and a father of four children. It's frequently believed that Lepsy was cheating on his wife and likely experiencing some sort of midlife crisis at the time, or at least to say he was unhappy with where he was in life. As you can imagine, he's a, a you know middle-aged to young individual. He's married, he's got four kids, and he's working at a grocery store. He doesn't really have much potential there. Right, they don't write songs about people like Richard, Richard Lepsu. Exactly. So it's enough to you know make somebody kind of depressed about where they are. So in addition to his 
pretty large family. He was married at a very early age, and his ambitions had led him no further than his you know, unremarkable job at this grocery store. Right, so there were a number of rumors about Richard that popped up after he went missing, about his possible infidelities and dissatisfaction in his life that we'll get into. At the time of his eventual disappearance, though, many close to the family had nothing but positive things to say about both the man and his family. It was said numerous times that Richard and his wife Jackie had a very good marriage. He was known as an involved father. The couple were known to often go out on the weekends on Saturday night dates and spend time with other couples. Richard also spent a lot of time with his four children, reading to them and watching football on Sunday afternoons with his sons. So generally speaking, Richard was just known as a trusted and responsible member of the small town of Grayling. So to any outsider, it would appear that the man had a pretty perfectly normal and happy family and relationship. But as we'll get into, perhaps there was something going on behind the scenes that did leave him feeling unsatisfied with what was going on. Exactly. So he he was just sort of maybe giving the appearance that everything was um, normal and together in his life. So October 29th, 1969 rolls around, and Lepsy, now at the age of 33 years old, went to work like any other regular day, went out for his lunch break, and then he was never heard from again. His last communication was with his wife right before he left on his lunch break, he called to let her know basically that he was going for a ride to clear his head. And this call by itself was not completely unusual or cause for his wife to be alarmed. However, Lepsy later called work to say that he would not be coming back. And these two phone calls would make for the last contact anyone would ever have with Richard Lepsy. Richard's wife, Jackie, started to think something was wrong when her husband didn't return home from work that night around the normal time, and especially after finding out that he had never actually returned to work in the first place after his lunch outing. Now, when no word was heard of through the night, Jackie wanted to get the police involved. However, to her, it did not seem like the police were very worried at all, as they told her Richard was considered a voluntary flight who could take after themselves, and after that, Jackie would have to wait 24 hours before officially reporting him missing anyways. So even after Jackie did officially report him gone, there wasn't much police manpower that was used in the case. Adult missing persons cases usually are nowhere near as focused on as missing children, as the police can typically assume that a grown and responsible adult like Richard could have simply decided to run away. The fact that there was no real signs of foul play existed at the time, and there weren't any known enemies or motives, uh, made it so Richard's disappearance was not really a high priority in the days following his last known contact with anyone. Yeah, and so ultimately it was three days after his initial disappearance um, that his car was found at Cherry Capital Airport, unlocked, the keys were in the ignition, with a half pack of cigarettes suggesting that he could have potentially gotten on an airplane to skip town. So that wraps up the sneak peek. I hope you enjoyed listening to that little short segment of the disappearance of Richard Lepsey. If you would like to hear the whole story, along with other exclusive bonus episodes, please visit our page at patreon.com slash strangematters. So with that, we'll wrap up this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. So until the next episode of the Strange Matters podcast, take care, everybody.